thank you very much uh, both of you for joining us uh, today uh, evening my name is deepshaka and i represent uh, speakin thank you very much audiences uh, for joining us and uh, uh, wonderful to see uh, such an august gathering and uh, may i start uh, by uh, uh, while these two gentlemen here need no introduction but i'll uh, because it's customary so uh, so let me start by introducing uh, amanji here uh, amanji is a, is a very very uh, eminent and senior advocate and practicing senior lawyer in supreme court he's seen almost every other day uh, fighting for the uh, for all the uh regulations reforms and everything else that uh, that that the government puts puts out even though it is very confusing and we thought that a lot of it was very 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 confusing and therefore we pulled him on to have the discussion uh today uh, here with us and 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 share with us uh, give us clarity and give us his views on how uh, he thinks uh, we can take things forward arun ji uh, a very very reputed name uh, in the indian uh, media uh, circuit arun ji is an author a thought leader and uh, has been a a a, a big uh, uh, name uh, in, in in taking the entire indian cultural uh, discussions forward and setting the right narrative uh, for us especially between the government uh, the bureaucracy the media and all uh, and the entire business world thank you very much both of you for joining us today such an honor i leave uh, the uh, the stage to arunji to take the conversation forward and 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 please don't leave any opportunity to grill amanji and ask all the difficult questions that all of us want to ask him yeah sure thank you sir thank you thank you thank you, thank you very much for uh, inviting me uh and uh, thank you amanji for taking out time uh no i uh i think you know uh, i'll just first explain uh, you know to all of you the format which we are going to follow uh the format is that i will be because you know that's that's much better if you know the uh, and how you can uh, participate in it or whatever queries you have so the uh, thing is that uh, we'll start i'll just introduce the topic and then mr sina will give you a broad overview of uh, the issues at hand and then uh, uh, on the basis of uh, questions which you are sending me so i will be putting up these questions to mr sina and the questions can be sent in two formats one is of course you can send it on the live chat uh, box also but uh, i am just giving you a mobile number so you can send it to me on whatsapp also so the number is Uh, 99993105022 uh, deepshika ji has already sent it to all uh, the number in the chat box uh, also probably but i i'll just repeat it again 99993105022 so i would be trying to club the uh, similar kind of questions and pick up one uh, or two or three main issues and then we'll talk about it so broadly we are going to finish it off in about 45 minutes or so uh so i'll just you know start with this thing though i've been a journalist for almost about 25 years now the problem right now is uh that there is the problem is not the shortage of content the problem is that there is too much of content when it comes to covid-19 and uh, its aftermath or the fallout of covid-19 so whether it is on the social or front or on economic front so but we need to do i my first advice to all of you is do not trust too much 
the way you don't trust too much whatsapp do not trust what what is being read or what is being uh, said or what is being written or what is being spoken on news media outlets most of the journalists do not understand you know the basic economic policy issues i have been a business journalist myself for almost about 10 15 years and they they are basically you know uh, they don't have specialization in that it's a very complicated issue these are very complicated issues this is a very complex situation which we are facing so what it is telling you or what cnbc is telling you or what so you better go and cross check because uh, problem challenge also is that many of the journalists have turned into glorified stenographers so whatever they are told so they publish it and you must have seen all of them that uh, in the recent past several times you know the government issued notifications and then later on it came out with clarifications in fact ironically it had become a joke also you know that rather than waiting for the notification to clear the situation one should wait for you know the clarifications so at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock in the night a notification will come and next day afternoon there will be a flurry of clarifications but the government was not at fault on this thing i would say because you know this is an unprecedented situation that who would have thought that the pandemic act would be implemented or executed for almost about it's about 50 days or more than 50 days and it's going to uh, last for at least i think a few more weeks so uh, again i'll repeat one uh, senior advice don't uh, trust too much my fellow colleagues Uh, on this thing because they themselves don't understand so uh, one is that uh, second is you know uh, broadly uh, what we are gathered today there are certain issues which are coming up because uh, several announcements have been made by the state governments and the central governments and the regulatory framework now has an overarching kind of a thing which is called the pandemic act and uh, the district administration has also been empowered a lot in terms of even taking decisions you know uh, which can affect for example if there is an industry industrial estate in a particular district now if the district magistrate of that particular district deems it fit that it should not be open so even if there has been a directive that it should be open and it should start functioning it may not or probably it uh, Or, or probably it may, but to my understanding, it may not. And uh, Amanji would speak on such issues uh, with more clarity. Then you know there are issues about labor reforms, uh, the rules and regulations. One of the key issues which have come up is the most uh, important issue which has come and which affects almost everyone. Uh, some of us uh, are employers, and uh, some of us are employees. Many of us are consultants, self-employed professionals. But you know, overall. if i do not have money in my bank account and if my company doesn't have the money to pay and i have got a notice from my district magistrate under the uh, current directives from the government that you cannot sack anybody you cannot fire anybody you have to pay full salaries if i don't have money what do i do will they arrest me how will they enforce that i i am done uh, i do that and uh, so uh, i would uh, so these are you know issues which are affecting us you know in day to day kind of a thing uh, for example in a city like delhi you know uh, somebody has said you know that uh, there is this even odd formula 
so whether the government has a capacity to do this even odd formula or not or if somebody violates it so will it this violation come under you know the municipal it's it's the violation of municipal laws is it a criminal uh, misconduct kind of a thing because the pandemic act is there so all these issues are uh, bothering us uh, on day to day basis uh, then every sector has its own uh, challenges there are sector specific challenges also for example aviation sector now uh, there has been a discussion going on there has been a debate going on that the uh, uh, when the flights are going to start so the middle seat which was earlier supposed to be kept vacant because of the social distancing norm so it might not happen because uh, to ensure that the tickets remain affordable so whether it's uh, you know it's a very it's a very strange thing also like some people are saying that you know okay so on an e rickshaw you cannot make two persons sit together you will not let that happen but on a plane you will let that happen so and there are then there is a issue of you know the uh, relief package which the government has announced there are many questions it has actually uh, it's a very uh, and such packages are generally complex so deciphering these packages uh, how does it affect the corporate india how does it affect you as an employee how does it affect you as a consultant so what are the legal implications broadly uh, so when we talk about legal implications uh, what i understand it's about regulatory frameworks it's about if you are not implementing certain directives given by the government you can be held liable and uh, if you are uh, implementing certain directives which are given by the government you might be incentivized also uh, so this is broadly the domestic outlook which i have given you then there is a global outlook uh, of this whole uh, event so there are global regulatory frameworks also changing like the us senate yesterday passed a bill that uh, the chinese companies should be taken off from uh, the exchanges in us so can we do a similar kind of a thing in india also is it uh, leave but feasibility but legally is it possible that uh, because we know that this uh, under the atmanirbhar bharat uh, campaign or rather camp i would say campaign but the prime minister has given the message that there should be what they call swavalamban and swadeshi and atmanirbhar bharat so can we block the chinese companies or can we block you know uh, other companies from outside if we want to uh, so then there is an issue about the international regulations the wto frameworks the patent regimes issues of intellectual property rights so it's a vast topic but we will try to have a sense of what is happening domestically as a part of a larger global picture and where are we heading towards and let me uh, close by uh, comments with a caveat it's a dynamic situation it's an ever evolving situation the government is also facing such situation for the first time i can tell you from the personal experience also i was a media advisor to the union health minister uh in 2015-16 mr jp nadda is currently the bjp president so i was a media advisor to him and that was a time when swine flu broke out at a very very big scale and there was a lot of panic and scares so i have seen things happening there being part of that you know uh, the group who was handling it so i can tell you that this is an unprecedented situation it's never evolving situation it's a dynamic situation and uh, so we should be ready with an open mind 
if the government is see the good thing about this government is i but i find the good thing about this government is that uh, when they implement something and it doesn't work so they immediately you no know, take it back and uh, try to rectify it uh some people term it as you know also that in terms of who oh, the government is not well prepared or ill prepared and it comes out ill prepared so that's why but that is not the case so keep your options open keep your mind open don't be judgmental don't trust media too much uh, because they themselves do not understand this complex situation much and uh, they are just trying to get the best trp out of it there is nothing wrong in it that is the way media functions and that's their job so i will leave the uh, i cannot say the floor the digital platform to you know mr sina and uh, mr sina please namaskar and good afternoon to all of you you have to speak a little louder mr sina uh, yeah. i hope i am loud enough and audible yeah. arun ji yes yes namaskar and good afternoon to all of you i believe there are large number of distinguished people who have joined the webinar today and i thank all of you for joining in thank you very much arun ji uh, you are not only very articulate and you put across very pertinent issues uh, but arun ji is also a close friend and therefore some kind generous personal words are coming across from him i thank you for that uh deepshika ji thank you very much for uh, giving me this opportunity and during the course of this conversation i would uh, make an endeavor and attempt to answer whichever queries that come across initially i would uh, like to give a broad overview as to what uh, the uh, potential the situation entails for large number of indian companies and india uh, per se so uh, uh, can we can we start with the uh opening remarks uh, arun ji arun ji can you hear me i i think i am not able to hear uh, arun ji right now but uh, uh let us uh, see what was happening on 1st of january 2020 ad when we started a new decade little did we realize that 2020 ad is going to be flipped to bc by bc i mean that we now look back at life in 2020 as bc before corona virus and after corona virus or before covid and after covid this is the kind of uh, huge change uh, which has happened in past uh, span of 2 3 months and it seems as if we are living in a different era altogether undoubtedly covid is the biggest challenge to humanity in contemporary times but uh, i believe humans are most evolved species and this crisis should bring out the best in all of us as they say on the other side of challenge lies the extraordinary i am a believer in that saying the <clears throat> covid in itself is going to transform the lives of each and every individual the life of uh, each and every institution our personal and professional lives as we see it and it has impacted the economy of each and every country it has impacted the economy of each and every individual in a manner and therefore the entire economic order globally also it stands altered and therefore i believe that this is bound to give rise to a new world order uh 
i also believe that in every crisis there lies an opportunity and therefore this crisis also provides us a opportunity as a country to take a joint leap forward prime minister narendra modi ji has uh, aptly stated that this is the time for all of us to rise and seize that opportunity and uh, if you see the entire geopolitical scenario as it exists right now even in midst of this global crisis prime minister narendra modi ji has shown inspiring leadership and visionary statesmanship what is most significant is that citizens institutions and entire 135 crore people of this country have responded to clarion call given by prime minister in this fight against corona and they have all with overwhelming majority they have all abided by whatever norms guidelines and uh, directions which have been stipulated from time to time i believe that uh, by a sheer illustration of this the world's faith in leadership of prime minister narendra modi ji and indians in general has become even stronger with the exceptional handling of covid crisis and the discipline and the self restraint which has been exercised by overwhelming majority of citizens in abiding by all covid norms and guidelines therefore we find today that india is among the nations with lowest mortality rate with lowest infection rate if you see the entire population and the percentage of people who are getting affected by this uh india also has uh, has uh, dutifully lived up to its responsibility as a as a uh, extending help to the global community and i believe that the true character of individuals or country is reflected in such emergent times or in times of such crisis even in these critical times india has sent several life saving medicines medical supplies to more than 60 70 countries across the world all top global leaders including uh, whether president trump or boris johnson or un secretary general have applauded india's efforts to help the humanity india has earned the admiration and respect of the entire world which also echoes in the growing india's growing position in the new world order as far as uh, the track record of prime minister narendra modi ji is concerned you would have all seen that uh, he has this knack of transforming an adversity into an opportunity of transforming a crisis into an opportunity to develop that state develop that region and that is what has happened whether you go and uh, analyze what happened in bhuj where large and large number of buildings were dusted and from epicenter of earthquake today bhuj has become epicenter of uh, development in india uh, <clears throat> coming back to uh, some of the major initiatives that uh, the government has taken i would like to broadly touch upon the uh, stimulus package which has uh, which has been announced uh, by finance minister uh, last week and uh, we have all seen that corona virus covid has brought the biggest economies to a standstill to a grinding halt but even facing enormity of this challenge prime minister narendra modi ji undeterred by that has also not only unleashed a 21 lakh crore economic impetus uh, and stimulus package 
but to utilize this opportunity to usher in large scale uh, economic reforms uh, which have been pending for quite some time this 20 lakh uh, uh, crore package is uh, totaling to roughly about 10.5% of our gdp which is to be precise 20.97 lakh crores some other relief measures have been announced even subsequent to that even today we have seen rbi has announced several other relief measures and extending moratorium on loans etc so therefore this uh, my submission is that this cannot be merely looked into just as a relief package or a mega stimulus package which certainly addresses all sections of society all sectors of economy but prime minister has also utilized this opportunity to carry out these transformational economic reforms and i believe that these comprehensive and transformational reforms are not only aimed towards making india self reliant as we call atmanirbhar bharat but will also lay down a clear road map a foundation for india to lead the post covid new world order coming to the global situation that exists today because if you see the uh, uh, global uh, economics uh, which is uh, virtually non existent at this point in time because of the onslaught of covid pandemic globally and this has this was borne out uh, in uh, in the data which came out from imf reports which was uh, after the covid crisis set in and uh, according to the imf latest projections the post covid world economy is expected to plunge into one of the worst recession since the great depression and global gdp is likely to reduce by more than 3% of negative growth usa is expected to have minus 6% negative growth europe is expected to have minus 7.5% negative growth and the total estimated loss to global gdp over 2020 and 2021 is over 9 trillion which is much more and much greater than economies of japan and germany put together therefore about 170 countries will experience negative growth this year and this bleak outlook applies to advanced and developing economies alike and the crisis certainly knows no boundaries but however the only shining light in all this gloom and doom is india india according to imf will still remain to be the fastest growing economy and the engine of global economic growth india i believe apart from china is among a handful of nations which are uh, likely to clock in positive gdp growth rate and imf has also said that uh, the uh, projection of 1.9% gdp growth rate is highest uh, for g20 nations as far as india is concerned uh, where china is only projected to grow at 1.6% but imf then says that there is a sharp uh, v shaped recovery which is likely to uh, come in for india with around 9% gdp growth rate for next year so therefore uh, we are uh, we are uh, well poised to lead in the uh, global uh, geopolitical and economic order post uh, covid crisis uh, arun ji uh, would you like to would you like to uh, uh, add something to that i just wanted to 
uh, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, uh, ask you one thing. Uh, what is the impact of this pandemic act? How does it change the situation in terms of economic decision making or corporate decision making? Or if I say broadly, what are the things about which one should be cautious about while taking a decision if you are a part of the management of any of the corporate entities? <clears throat> So that's a pertinent question, Arunji. And uh, uh, under the seventh schedule of the constitution, as far as public health is concerned, it lies in the in the concurrent list. And uh, you have rightly pointed out that the Epidemic Diseases Act, 1897, which is about a 123-year-old statute enactment, is the main legal framework within which. Uh, all the laws, directions, guidelines, and executive instructions are being issued by government of India, as well as uh, as well as state governments. Now, as far as uh, this Epidemic Diseases Act is concerned, certainly at that point in time, uh, epidemics were order of the day, and they were, uh, you know, regularly we were facing that kind of a situation in the uh, about 100, 125 years back. Now. The main provisions of the Epidemic Diseases Act, they stipulate that uh, Section 2A of the Act empowers the union government to take necessary measures and prescribe regulations to deal with such dangerous situations uh, arising out of any epidemic diseases and uh, how government can regulate entry and exit at ports, uh, seaports. At that time, uh, they were in uh, parlance, but airports would also be covered within that definition. And uh, therefore, uh, under Section 2, the union government is empowered to take all those measures. So is the state government. Section 3 thereafter stipulates that any person who disobeys any regulation or order made in pursuance to uh, the, uh, the power which has been given under Section 2 of the Act uh, would, uh, would uh, be potentially committing an offense uh, under the Indian Penal Code. And there are... Uh, punishments which are prescribed under section 188 of IPC and section 4 thereafter goes on to uh, that is important uh, I wanted to mention that because it states that no suit or any legal proceeding will be initiated against any person or authority for anything done in good faith or intended to be done under the act so therefore uh, this is one important legal framework the other framework uh, uh, which is uh, in parlance, which is in operation today, is uh, the Disaster Management Act 1954. And basically, the Disaster Management Act uh, lays down a blueprint for uh, the administrative machinery to operate in times of such disasters. Uh, Section 72 of the Disaster Management Act stipulates that uh, the Disaster Management Act will have overriding powers over uh, other statutes and other provisions of law. And uh, therefore, uh, you're right that government, uh, in pursuance to these acts, has large number of powers which are there to regulate the ever-evolving, dynamic and emergent situation which exists on ground. Uh, the government uh, immediately upon, uh, because I think we were one of the first ones to act, and. Uh, when 500, when uh, even 500 cases were not there, we declared a uh, complete lockdown and uh, Disaster Management Act was already uh, enforced. And thereafter, uh, uh, 
in fact uh, arunji on 7th of january this was declared by who as a global pandemic and the government of india had its first meeting which was the genesis of uh, operationalizing this disaster management act on very next day itself so therefore the it, it only goes on to reflect the alacrity and the commitment and the conviction which the with which the government of india has been acting uh, as far as uh, implementation of these measures are concerned and uh, making all out attempt to mitigate the global effects of the global pandemic covid 19 yeah another you know couple of uh, questions have come uh, i will just club it you know uh, like nidhi uh has asked a question then hina prasoon has asked a question so i am clubbing all these questions together uh one is that uh, there is this term which is used quite a lot these days which is force majeure uh, you'll have to correct my pronunciation uh, okay, your pronunciation so, is absolutely correct so uh, one exactly just in the layman's language what does this term actually mean and how does this term becomes pretty relevant whether in terms of you know, claiming damages or insurance claims or uh, any other thing which is you know related to unprecedented uh, situations and its uh, economic impact and then another question which is related to this is is broadly the policy framework is because this part of the policy framework is can any of the orders which are being issued by the authorities under weather disaster management act or any other regulatory framework can they be uh, implement can they be uh, can the government force or can the government enforce it or that they should be done with a retrospective effect they should be implemented with a retrospective effect which we from a previous state and especially when it comes to you know waiving of full wages to the workers uh, that issue is the first and the foremost issue basically which is you know coming up so for example the the government if it is uh, so how much it is possible uh, and if somebody has an uh, somebody is aggrieved or somebody has a grievance and he he or she wants to redress it or a company wants to redress it so how much does this disaster management act and this pandemic act and the current situation the rules and regulations so how how much restriction is put on uh, these things so these are three these are three questions i have asked which are i think largely interlinked so i'll just repeat them again so that it doesn't they don't get lost in you know uh, this thing uh, one is no, that what is force majeure mean yes. and how it is relevant second yes. is can the government issue orders from the retrospective effect also and third if anybody individual or this thing as you just explained has any grievance so does the legal uh, recourse or uh, uh, is there a restriction on that now uh, are the options available are much lesser and uh, whatever uh, whichever are the best options options uh, which could be available uh, to people that that's arunji that's uh, that's a very pertinent question that you asked and thank you to hina ji and nidhi ji who have posed this question in fact uh, they are Uh, you know uh, major legal heads so therefore uh, uh, we'll we'll tackle it one by one and uh, uh, because uh, it would need a little bit of explaining so uh, should i start with force measure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. to deal with the no no force measure force measure now force measure explained in simple in fact it's a french term which means a, a superior force 
and it means an event which can neither be anticipated nor be controlled by any of the contracting parties and uh, the term would include uh, include both the acts of nature as well as the acts of uh, people uh the force majeure clause is a very common clause in in contracts and uh, that essentially frees the parties from liabilities and obligations when an extraordinary event or circumstance beyond uh, their control arises and prevents uh, both the parties from fulfilling their obligations the force majeure clause uh, one may seek uh, relief of uh, in the force majeure clause one can see for relief of uh, doctrine of frustration also where there is a impossibility to fulfill either party's performance under the contract due to occurrence of a subsequent event and we find a mention of that in section 56 of the indian contracts act 1872 so although the term force majeure per se is not there in the contracts act but uh, the doctrine of first frustration of contract uh, is there in section 56 and that also has a wide ambit so even if for instance uh, two contracting parties or two companies because you were asking that uh, how would it affect a large number of corporates now if a force majeure clause is there then it spells out the conditions the situations the circumstances within which that force majeure clause would be operationalized uh, however if uh, that particular uh, force majeure clause even if it is not there then the companies can go even under section 56 of the indian contracts act and can raise their claims or grievances before the competent authority or with other contracting parties taking a plea refuge under section 56 of the indian contracts act and there are certain major principles because this is a issue that large number of corporates are grappling with and understandably they are trying to uh, cut down their losses and stay afloat and uh, therefore uh, their situation is also understandable and the situation of large number of employees who are working there that is also uh, uh, something which one has to keep in mind and have empathy with uh, those people who are perhaps at the lowest rung of our pyramid but as far as force majeure is concerned there are certain judicial principles which have been laid down in large number of matters one landmark case a recent case is energy watchdog versus central uh, electricity regulatory commission of 2017 and some of the basic principles if you wish i can uh, elaborate just briefly on that which has been laid down by the supreme court are that first force measure is not exhaustive but inclusive if the contract has an express or implied force majeure clause it will apply over other principles under section 56 of the indian contracts act which is with respect to frustration of contract application of doctrine of frustration must always be within narrow limits a rise in cost or expense will not frustrate a contract doctrine of frustration will not apply so long as fundamental basis of the contract remains the same force majeure clause will not apply if alternative modes of performance are available only if they are impossible then force majeure clause is going to apply now therefore the language of the force majeure clause is going to determine 
the remedies available to the parties some contracts may provide for immediate termination others may be suspended or uh, some contracts may allow for only certain obligations to be suspended and uh, a party is also required to show the proof of mitigation and esteemed timings of dealing with particular event uh, of the force majeure now uh, thus therefore i would say that the existence of a force majeure event will be established on a case to case basis taking into account the specific circumstances of that particular case including whether the period of fulfillment of an obligation the nature of unfulfilled obligation and reasonableness and good faith uh, good faith uh, and the actions of the uh, debtor and other contracting parties so everything will have to be taken into account and uh, uh therefore it, it has to be uh, you know examined on case to case basis and then only it can be determined can can we move on to the next question uh which was basically that can the center order or can the uh, rules and regulations or any new uh, directives can be implemented with retrospective effect usually uh, i must say that uh, <clears throat> none of the executive orders or even any of the statutory provisions they apply retrospectively there is a presumption in law that all statutory provisions or executive instructions they only operate prospectively however if uh, if government or the legislative authority wishes to uh, have implementation of a particular uh, act or an order retrospectively then they have to spell out the uh, situation the circumstances in which uh, it is uh, going to be applied retrospectively and uh, therefore uh, this is the general uh, principle of law that any law or any executive instructions applies prospectively unless specifically required and reason as to why it is going to apply retrospectively and therefore that is the intent and approach of uh, the uh, governments also as well as uh, the uh, legislating authorities whether parliament or state assemblies so uh, therefore uh, that position is very clear that is right uh, that uh, in pursuance to provisions of the uh, disaster management act as well as the epidemic act 1897 the government has large uh, sweeping powers that it has been empowered with and uh, because it's a it's a situation which is ever changing ever evolving each and every hour each and every minute maybe and you have to be very dynamic and you have to quickly respond so therefore that kind of uh, elbow room or for administrative exigency has been given to the executive in order to deal with such issues and uh, i believe they are doing a excellent uh, job of that certainly wherever uh, we feel that uh, anything needs to be improved or improvised or the government feels it certainly uh, you know doesn't sit back it comes out with uh, you know yet another resolution or clarification although you know it may sound a little uh, uh, amateurish but you know that is the reality uh, of the situation we are living in extraordinary times and uh, it requires extraordinary measures and uh, 
it also requires the compassion and understanding that if your measures uh, have any shortcoming you should be first one to uh, strengthen it and uh, put it in the right manner and perspective so that people are not inconvenienced and the larger objective of mitigating the pandemic is also ensured and uh, how much uh, is are how, uh, what kind of restrictions are there in terms of you know if i have a grievance against let's say my district magistrate i'll give you a very specific example let's say my i am a corporate uh, guy i run a company and uh, let's say my district magistrate sends me uh, a directive that uh, and lot of corporate guys have received lot of or owners have received employers have received this is that you are not supposed to lay off any of your labor and you are not supposed to cut their salaries you are supposed to pay them in full and if you don't do that that will be violation of you know the government orders and uh, necessary action will be taken now what is my uh, Uh, what are the legal options available for me broadly in terms of grievance redressal, or do I have any legal options? Is this order enforceable on me? And even if I don't have, my company doesn't have the money in the bank to pay it. Uh, Arunji, uh, you're right, and as we were discussing earlier, that uh, this is an extraordinary situation, not only for uh, uh, you know companies. Uh, Uh, and uh, you know individuals employees who are working there for each and every one of us and therefore all of us have to you know empathize with each with each other cooperate with each other and uh, so do the administrative authorities uh, also uh, the the fact of the matter is that uh, certainly the people who are uh, uh, you know uh, uh, in uh, at the bottom rung of uh, of the economic ladder they need to be uh, you know their basic needs requirements of uh, you know get, get getting bread and butter for uh, uh, you know three times a day and their basic sustenance that has to be kept in mind and certainly that has to be uh, one of the primary objectives and i'm sure all the uh, not only the government is conscious of that all the corporates individuals are uh, also and institutions are also very mindful of that and they are also uh, you know uh, they are also doing efforts from their side to uh, see that uh, their uh, you know troubles are mitigated in some manner or other now as far as legal position is concerned that you're asking now uh, clearly the uh, regulations uh, the mha notification which you're referring to it's 29th march notification that uh, does uh, clearly say that uh, the wages and salaries they have to be paid at the right time uh, and uh, there are labor ministry instructions also which say that uh, uh, you know labor should not be retrenched or laid off in that manner now uh, there were certain petitions uh, in the in the supreme court which were filed challenging that mha regulation but even before coming to that i would like to say that uh, uh, you know the governing statute as far as uh, all these uh, you know disputes are concerned is the industrial disputes act and uh, retrenchment is defined there in section 200 and uh, there are certain conditions in which uh, employees could be retrenched those are also spelled out in section 25f for the sake of brevity i am not uh, going there with uh, you know provisions of notice etc 
so uh, uh, you know if those uh, provisions are complied with then uh, certainly it can be a matter of legal uh, judicial scrutiny so is uh, as far as layoff is concerned that has also been specifically defined in section 2 kk of uh, that particular act and uh, there are conditions for layoff also which have been stipulated so in short that even if anybody is contemplating first of all we should all endeavor to uh, have uh, you know uh, our uh, you know wherever they may be our employees or anybody's employees that you know their salaries and their payment should be made to the best possible extent and they should be kept on the rolls also and there is a legal procedure which has been spelled in the in the statute uh, which uh, you know uh, which uh, i believe corporates can see uh, that uh, spells out the legal position now but mha guideline is very clear on that uh, that uh, the salary deductions uh, there would not be any uh, any cut in that manner but uh, i would also like to share with you arunji that uh, and with all the you know uh, our uh, distinguished uh, uh, guests uh, participants in the webinar who tuned in that uh, uh, very recently supreme court in a in a uh, in a order passed on 15th of may exactly last week on friday has uh, uh, has stated in a in a few matters that uh, no coercive action is uh, going to be taken uh, against uh, the uh the that those particular industrialists or corporates who had challenged that particular mha notification the supreme court has issued notices and uh, they have asked the government to respond on that therefore it has not attained finality in any manner but uh, at the same time since uh, as a professional also it is my duty to bring out the uh, clear legal position that it exists today is that uh, in those matters at least uh, the supreme court has stated that uh, you know wherever uh, corporates have come forward and explained uh, any legitimate reasons that no coercive action uh, has been ordered against uh, those people therefore no strong measures etc and no uh, you know foisting of any other uh, civil or uh, you know criminal uh, proceedings upon them so but that is restricted to those uh, few cases and that apart the mha circular is uh, uh, has not been kept in abeyance or stayed as per my information so that is the legal position which exists and uh, this has to be uh, you know if there are any such cases then uh, they have to be examined uh, in depth uh, to uh, to opine as to uh, you know what would be the legal position in that particular case but there cannot be one blanket uh, sweeping uh, observations as far as this is concerned the mha notification is very clear that uh, salaries and wages they have to be paid in full there shouldn't be any layoffs there are labor ministry directives also but supreme court has issued notices to government and government will certainly respond to it uh i have a flurry of questions Uh, sorry i i missed your initial part uh, no no i no no it it was i i had actually uh, uh, forgot to unmute uh, so because uh, your questions are very interesting i don't want to miss any <laughs> one of them thank you 
so uh, i think we are coming to an end there are there are there are lot of questions this thing and i'll request uh, deepshika ji to i think probably you know we can plan uh, another session soon so and uh, we will be able to reply to these questions and thank you so much aman ji i think we had a wonderful conversation thank you all participants i think the success of a webinar because i've been attending many is gauged by the fact that the number of participants who had joined at 5 o'clock between 5 to 5:13 when we started so the number has remained exactly the same so it's uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, arun ji can i just uh, yeah. you know in conclusion say a word yeah no please uh, arun ji thank you very much uh, you know especially i'd like to thank uh, speaking deepshika ji uh, and uh, you know all those who who joined in from wherever remote locations uh, you know uh, they have they have tuned in and they have joined in i got a couple of uh, messages on my phone that some people have joined in from us although it's very early morning there but let me tell you that it was very rewarding and enriching for me also to get such uh, you know potent uh, questions from you and the audience but i just want to uh, you know conclude by saying one line that uh, india and uh, you know all the corporates all of us all of india has waited for a rare opportunity to reclaim our status as a world leader and this crisis also provides us a long awaited opportunity to make india the leader of the new world order and it is now for all of us as individuals as corporates as uh, you know workmen as employees uh, and as citizens of this country to uh, ensure that uh, we rise to the occasion we seize this golden opportunity and ensure that india gets its uh, its deserving place in the uh, globe as as a global leader in the comity of nations Thank you so much, Arunji. Thank you, Amanji, for uh, for being with us today, and thank you everyone who has joined in. And uh, hopefully, we will come back uh, with a renewed and a fresher uh, episode of this uh, in the new normal. Thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm.